and, I, and I'm incredibly lucky um, to have those people. But you know, if you don't, I think life's tough. Life is tough because you can't have all the answers yourself. You need to be constantly learning and getting different insight in. Um, and I think we're lucky in our careers because we have worked in the world of, of innovation and, and creativity. And we know lots of people have done lots of different things. And, um, and, and this is why it's so important to be abundant and good with your energy because we'll all need some help at times, right? So we help people, we help people a lot, you know, a lot of the time, you know, for, for nothing at all, apart from the fact that it's purely help. And we're karmic and guess what? It comes, comes back round. And I really encourage anyone who's thinking about setting their own business to do the same because actually you can't do it on your own. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Found It podcast. This time around, we speak to Chris and Jim from Talk It Out. We've worked with these guys through Nuon for the last few months and we're really excited to share this episode. We talked to Chris and Jim about the freedom of starting your own business, what is Talk It Out and how it untangles thinking and unlocks well-being, and how a mindset change can unleash the entrepreneur within. If you like this podcast, give us a review and subscribe. Okay, here's the episode. Check it out. So, hey, Chris. Hey, Jim. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, just so everyone listening, because uh, me, obviously, me and Martin already know you guys quite well. Uh, do you want to just quickly introduce yourselves uh, to everyone? Yeah, sure. So, uh, Chris Barrows-Brown, um, founder of Upping Your Elvis and, um, and Talk It Out. And uh, I've been playing with you guys for some time now. So, you know, we're like brethren. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Jim Lusty, so partner at Upping Your Elvis and partner at Talk It Out. Uh, I've been working with Chris for, we've been working together for 22 years, Christopher. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, we finished. When you get in the Rolex. <laughs> and that's, uh, although I did, I was going through a deck um, that had our photographs in it from 2013 and uh, time hasn't been kind to us, mate. So, <laughs> Uh, it's good. Maybe that's why we're yeah, still using those photos. Yeah, well, let's keep, keep <laughs> that's fine. I think I was in university in 2013. Oh, oh, don't, oh no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So we always start the podcast with this relatively the same question, and it's obviously to each of you is, um, why did you decide to become an entrepreneur? Why have you started your own business instead of, you know, going to work for someone else and doing the nine to five and... Uh, all that kind of stuff. Ah, it's a good question. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll go, you dive in, Jim. But um, I basically realised um, that I'm unemployable, <laughs> which which is a pretty big motivation, actually. Oh, the tent sacking. Yeah. <laughs> so look, I've, I've been very fortunate, you know, so I've had quite an interesting um, career where I have had jobs. You know, I started off in the army which is, you know, obviously very uh, regimented by definition. Um, you know, I've, I've worked running brands and I've um, then worked for a very lovely hippie innovation startup called What If, which was uh, a lot looser. And, um, and what I realized over the, the, that time is that for me to really do the work um, that I love in the way that I love to do things, I, I like a certain amount of freedom. You know, I like to be able to do things my way. I have a very unusual vision, I think, for what work should be compared to a lot of people. And I found it quite difficult to make that live and breathe in the confines of other people's visions. Because um, usually what comes into business is it's all about the money. You know, we're, we're building this so we can sell it so that we can, you know, retire on yachts and all that. And actually, I just really like the work and I, I want to enjoy now. Um, so I've got a slightly different vibe to it. So 
So a lot of the motivation to set up my own business was, you know, just energetically, I wasn't that easy, I think, to make my uh, work show up in somebody else's image. You know, it just did not fit for me. Um, and actually, interestingly, a lot of people worry about setting up their own businesses because they think it's really hard and it's difficult and it's it's insecure and all that stuff. And in, in, in certain ways, that's absolutely true. But in other ways, it's just a massive liberation. I, I, I could have done it 20 years before, to be honest, if I only I'd have known. So um, anyway, we'll get into that later. But that's that's kind of why I started. Uh, Jim, what, why did you take that risk? Uh, it was less of a risk because you'd already set the business up. Oh, there is that, yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, but there's still a risk attached when there's only you, to be fair. Yeah, true. Uh, and I think, um, yeah, mine was, I think my the realization happened for me when I was 30 and I went to, and I've been in working in large organizations in the drinks industry. And uh, I, I sort of jumped ship and went to work with Chris at a, a creative agency that then went on to win loads of awards for best place to work. And I realized that actually work could be very different. And I, I was working in an environment there for 10 years where I could turn up and I could effortlessly be myself every day. And that was a fantastic realization. That actually work could be fun and I could be me while doing that. Um, but then, you know, you do that for 10 years and you're tapping into your own passions. And a bit like Chris, you then realize that you're then working towards uh, someone else's dream a little bit. And it was still motivating, but actually I started to think about what it would be like to work for more, uh, more of my own vision and passions. And that's, you know, and Chris and I, as he said, we've been working together such a long time. We agree on so many things and Chris had set the business up and uh, it, it felt like a very exciting ne next new step for me. And one of the words that Chris used was freedom and freedom for me on, on my time uh, and what I do with it. And the big, the massive realization when I left a very big agency and I was sitting on the board and had a team of like 25 people, all my time was spent managing them and doing all the stuff that a business needs to operate. And I stepped out and the realization didn't, it didn't come to me until uh, I started my first day with Upping Your Elvis and I could just do whatever I wanted with the time that I had. And that's massively liberating. I mean, it's it takes some adjustment, but suddenly you realize that every minute of your day is spent on stuff which is important to you and the business, which is fantastic. And I think if I'd have known that earlier, I would have I would have done something sooner. So what do you think it was like? Would you was it because Chris, like you said, you're in the army and then went into the corporate world and Jim, you're in that same world as well. What do you think it was that stopped you like move into it sooner because i think a lot of people know well have this dream of oh if i had my own company i'd have all this freedom i could do what i want um and you know a lot of the founders we talk to that is a very common theme throughout all of them but obviously there's a lot of work that goes into that um was mm. it do you think it was the the risk that um, made you think about it or do you think you just didn't put two and two together and think this was something that was possible for me yeah so so for me i i definitely bought the lie you know, the lie where, you you know, you get your A-levels, then you get your degree, then you get the job, then you get the one you want, then you, you know, you get to buy a house yeah. and you slowly pay off the mortgage and then you get a bigger house and then you get kids, you know, all that stuff. And that is what life looks like when you are happy and successful. I, I think I bought that. Yeah. Uh, 
because in my my life that's what people did yeah. and the higher up the ladder they got on that particular progression the more they were worshipped and adored oh it's amazing you know and um and it wasn't really until i joined what if uh, that i realized that it was a lie and actually there's lots of ways you can live your lives and and it's not about amassing material success and, and going up a linear corporate ladder um you know in, in fact actually the, the more that we can realize that there's so many different paths to happiness and success and fulfillment then the more chance we got to achieve them and, and and therefore i didn't do it because i actually was was you know living that life for a while i didn't really think about the possibility of how i could escape it um i also probably didn't have the confidence at that time i probably didn't have the skill set i probably didn't have um the appreciation of how you create value at that, at that point either so i probably needed to earn a little bit of, uh, of my stripes before I could do that. But but honestly, attitudinally, when I was in my early 20s, I didn't even think about setting up a business. I, and, and it's completely changed now. If I talk to young people now, they all want their own business. You know, they, they, Nobody wants to work for anyone else. I don't know who's gonna make these businesses happen. <laughs> it's easy to set up a business now. You can literally do it in a couple of yeah. clicks, right? It's, it's the easiest exactly. way to work. Exactly. I agree with all of what Chris is saying. I just think, you know, I was educated in the 80s and early 90s. I started work in 93. Very different landscape to the, to, to the environment we find ourselves in now. You know, I mean, uh, the internet is, is a, a relatively new phenomenon. I, I was, I remember my first job, I had a, my, my, I used to do a dictaphone. I used to dictate into a tape recording. We, when we had landline phones and I used to sort of edit with Tipex, you know, and, that that world was not so set up. I didn't know anyone who was an entrepreneur. You know, now, as you said, the landscape's changed. Uh, uh, everything is so much more accessible, and, and I think it's just it, the world and the and the landscape lends itself so much more to that entrepreneurial spirit. I definitely think the the system. It's interesting you talked about the system because I've just been. I'm, I'm working on a speech at the moment around. Um, founder's ego is stifling business which is something that I was guilty of um, when I was um, just simply because I didn't come from um, well, I didn't come from a business background I kind of fell into what I was doing but it's interesting because when I was doing the research there's still now everyone wants to be an entrepreneur but in schools there's nothing around teaching people about entrepreneurial skills and with the pandemic specifically now there's a lot of people who are going to be set up their own businesses and they're just not going to have the skills sets to deal with that I mean it it's still the system is it's still set up like that my brother's 21 now and he's go to university go get a job mortgage get married it's still that i don't know if that's a british mentality i'm interested to hear your thoughts on that yeah i mean I, you know i i wouldn't be able to comment on you know whether that's a global phenomenon or not i know that certain parts of the world it's even more um restricted but yeah i mean education is not really taught us how to live our lives let's face it you know if you look at you know, Ken Robinson all those years ago said, you know, it's killing us as far as our creativity is concerned. And I totally agree. Education is is really a tick box exercise most of the time on how to make sure that, you know, we can function and think, but we can't really think for ourselves. And, and at best, what it does is it socializes us so we can get on with people, which actually is useful. So don't get me wrong, there's, there's, that is a useful skill. We do need that, but it doesn't teach us how to live our lives and how to be successful. It doesn't teach us about happiness. Yeah doesn't teach us about mental health, certainly does not teach us how to run a business. So, um, I, you know, what I love about the way that the world has, has shifted now is people teach themselves. 
So, you know, uh, I, I, we, we run a workshop here. This is a, a classic illustration of it. Run a workshop here. We had some guys here from Diageo. We had the head of Johnny Walker globally at the time. Uh, and I, one of my mates, Ali, uh, who's got a business called Spice and Rice, did some curries for us out on the lawn. He did like five different curries. They were great. Anyway, the guy from Johnny Walker came up and said, by the way, I've lived in Asia. I've traveled all around the world. These are some of the best curries I have ever tasted. Ali, where did you learn? And he said, YouTube. Right. And, and that's the reality, right? If you want to learn right now, you can learn anything because it's all accessible. And, and the kids these days who are going to be successful are the learners, the ones who are hungry, the ones with an appetite, because there is nothing they can't get hold of as long as they raise their gaze. And that's why I think we're going to have a very exciting future, because entrepreneurs have access to stuff they never had before. So much information, so much knowledge, so much insight. This podcast wasn't existing, you know, and you know, people listen to this now, whether they get some or not, we'll see. But you know, there is inspiration accessible everywhere. So if you've got the right attitude and you're keen to learn and you don't mind getting things wrong, this is just, you know, an amazing time to be alive. Yeah, and the only other thing I'd add to that with regards education and whether it stifles entrepreneurial flair or not, is just getting people comfortable with breaking and challenging the rules because actually a lot of the time you get fed into a system where you're not allowed to challenge, you just accept. And actually the best entrepreneurs are the ones who push back and go, well, why is this here? And therefore, and then it gives them an appetite and a curiosity, which often is bashed out of us. And if you can find a way of staying curious, asking why and what if, then, you know, that is really, you know, you become a little bit more of a maverick and you challenge the status quo a little bit more. And I think that's, the, the entrepreneurial flair that you need and how you do that. Um, I think there's, there's a number of ways into it, but um, that, that's, I think that's what you need. And I think sometimes that's why education can get in the way of it. And a big part of it also is risk profile. So, you know, when I was being brought up, you know, risk was a really, it's a dirty word, risk, because actually what you want to do is have security and stability. It was a board game, wasn't it, when you were growing up, mate? <laughs> exactly. So it was all about, you know, leveraging, you know, your personal net worth as far as skills, you know, finance, the whole thing. And you would never want to go, you know, you don't want to do any snakes and ladders on that one, do you? You know, you want to keep going up the board. You don't want to come down it. And, and therefore, the whole idea of doing things that might not work were just alien. Just alien. You know, it, it was all about making the safe bet. And, um, and obviously, to be an entrepreneur, you have to have a very different relationship with risk. You have to understand that not everything can work. In fact, you know, very few things really properly work. So you've got to have a very different way of experimenting and learning from that and being okay with the downside of getting it wrong. And as we know, as entrepreneurs, you know, you know, we just had COVID, you know, for six months, myself and Jim lost money month after month after month because we were doing a load of live events and that's what we had booked in. And all of a sudden, something completely unpredictable came along and smacked everyone in the head. And all of a sudden that disappeared. And you've got to be all right with that, you know, and that's not for everyone. So, you know, when I think about entrepreneurs, I think, you know, there are some people who should have jobs because that fits them well, it fits who they are, it fits the way they add value, and that's a great thing to have. But there are some people, and I think it, it's a growing minority, that actually are really happy not to have that security. And they understand that actually with the risk comes amazing rewards. Yes, financial, but more often, freedom. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think, at least from my perspective, having not been a business owner or an entrepreneur, but from building products and designing things, definitely I've seen, and especially as I guess 
uh, I feel, I don't like the term, but as probably a young person, there's definitely, I can't imagine how I would do what I do now without the internet. It just seemed like something that just, I can't imagine what I would have done if I grew up 20 years earlier or whatever. But I think one thing that I think you've hit on about the education is the mindset change. And I think that's something that, you know, I talk to a lot of young designers and a lot of people who, you know, we talk to a mentor when about building products is you build up these skills to know that on a smaller scale than a business, but you understand that, okay, we're starting with something. We don't know where we're going to end up, but we're confident that you've got the skills that will work out in the way. And there's a, there's an old phrase that um, in design, doing design sprints and designing saying you, you either win or you learn. So you either like something works or you learn something from it, right? You, there's no kind of, it's a bit cheesy, but there's no such thing as failure sort of thing. Is It's all about your attitude and whether you want to look at the possible upsides of what you've got or you want to focus on the things. So I'm just thinking that kind of attitude, I think, even though we've got the technological access, I've still seen a lot of like, I was just talking to a young designer the other day through a mentor program and he seems really talented. He's gone to business school. He's got a lot of skills that I think are really valuable, but still doesn't see that kind of like just trying things, like experimentation mentality. He's kind of, he was looking, okay, what's the right way to do this? And I was like, okay, I can tell you the way that I would do it, but that's through, you know, failing and trying and failing 10, 15 times. And it's the way I've worked out. There's, you've got to go and try these things out. He wanted kind of a straight answer. So I'm just wondering, this might be a bit of a tenuous link, but do you think that links to maybe not just education, but mental health in a way, having that confidence and the lack of anxiety to be able to go, look, I'm, I'm okay with if things don't work out. It's how mm. I bounce back to it rather than trying to make things go absolutely brilliantly all the time. Cause that's just not life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I think you do need a certain level of confidence to be able to take those, those types of risks. Either that or, you know, be a bit of a sociopath or, you know, be slightly <laughs> yeah. unhinged, which, is, which is the other angle of entrepreneurs. Um, but, but, but obviously, you know, there are certain things that we care about in life that dictate the decisions we make and the way that we show up. If we care about being right, it's not a great job being an entrepreneur. If we care about being perfect, it's not a great job. You know, so, you know, some of that is us and our programming. Some of it is the environment in which we used to working. Myself and Jim spent most of our time working with big corporates, yeah? And, and I would say that big corporates are terrible at taking risks. You know, that everything they do needs to be shiny and perfect and well-tested and, you know, they need to be absolutely certain when they place a bet. And that's why most of them are incredibly slow, bureaucratic. Um, they, they don't have an energy and buzz about them because it's all about making sure their place is safe bet. So we're actually brought in to kind of shift that up quite a bit and, and, and try and get them to, to play in different ways. And do you know what, when they get it, it's infectious. Because they start to go, oh, gee, I, this is so much more fun. So I can take little risks every day, learn from them, and actually get a snowball effect and completely change the business. In, in a quarter of the time, we'd usually do it if we did the old way. Wow, I want some of that. And actually, for me, you can get that entrepreneurial spirit into a big corporation if you do the right things. But it does come down, as you say, uh, Rob, it comes down to your attitude. So, you know, the way that you think and, and, you know, your beliefs around what's important and what's not, and then the way you behave. I don't know if you've got anything to add there, Jim. Well, I mean, we're, you know, as human beings, we're hardwired to um, avoid risk and failure, aren't we? It's just how we are. So, um, I, I, I think a big part of it is just making sure you've got some good mentorship to 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 do what you did there, Rob, which is help people to realize it's okay to get things wrong and actually to be successful 
there's there's low you get loads more energy and load more learnings from your failures than you do your successes so i think there's creating so in business what we do i think is help leaders be more aware of the impact they have and to create permission for other people to experiment i think for entrepreneurs having that permission is harder and so i think mentorship or uh, looking at people you would aspire to and respect that that are successful entrepreneurs and I guess mimicking their behaviors is, is kind of important. But you know, I, I think one of the things with an entrepreneur is it, it can be quite lonely. Mm. <laughs> you know, you, it, it's in a company, you, you, people can take risks because there, there's, if you've got a good leadership, if you've got a good culture, the, the, um, the, the, it's not actually that risky, but, but uh, and actually you can do it with a team and you can fail together. When you're an entrepreneur, you fail, you fail on your own a lot of the time. So I think building up a network um, to to pull energy and, uh, and inspiration from, I think is really important as well. Yeah, I agree. And actually, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of partnerships. So, um, you know, the, the best businesses that I know don't tend to have a single founder who runs the show there's you know there's a couple of people who basically keep things going well and that's why i think we love what we do because it's not me on my own it's not jim on his own it's us together and actually we're good foils for each other because actually nobody's rounded <laughs> that just doesn't exist and, and actually the more you get into entrepreneurship the more freaks come out of the woodwork and therefore you need other people around freaks to balance them out and thank god i got jim yeah. <laughs> just to be clear you're the freak yeah Absolutely, I'm owning it. Do you guys um, have mentors as you were sort of journeying up or starting out on, in terms of the, the business? Um, we, yeah, I mean, we're really lucky. I mean, um, when when I was starting to play with Talk It Out, you know, I have a list of you know five six people that I could phone who I think are the best brains of business on the planet. You know, and they're mates of mine, and uh, they will they will return my call immediately and they will give me incredible advice and, I, and I'm incredibly lucky um, to have those people um, but you know if you don't I think life's tough life is tough because you can't have all the answers yourself you need to be constantly learning and getting different insight in um, and I think we're lucky in our careers because we have worked in the world of, of innovation and, and creativity and we know lots of people have done lots of different things and, um, and and this is why it's so important to be abundant and good with your energy because we'll all need some help at times right so we help people we help people a lot you know a lot of the time you know for, for nothing at all apart from the fact that it's purely help and we're karmic and guess what it comes comes back around and i really encourage anyone who's thinking about setting their own business to do the same because actually you can't do it on your own you, you just can't and if you try you will find it incredibly hard work and most likely fail so build a network of support get some trusted advisors out there, some people that can give you some different perspectives. You know, the biggest danger is you believe your own stuff, right? And and when you're so deep into stuff and you're massively passionate about it, it's a real danger. So you've got to keep going out there, testing it and getting other people's viewpoints. You know, we've just, we've just written a new book. We've just sent it out to, you know, 50 people we, we know and love who run massive businesses or run agencies or, you know, they've got different viewpoints. And we're just getting loads of feedback in. And, it, and, it, and we've already written the book, but there's always a second edition, right? There's always a chance to keep refining and learning. And I think this is really important. You know, <laughs> nothing is ever done, nothing is ever finished, and nothing is ever perfect.
But you, you only know that if you ask the right people around you. And therefore, you know, that network of mentors and smart folk and people that are honest and just say, actually, you know what, that is crap, is super useful. Agreed. You know, say yes to loads of stuff. <clears throat> Keep on seeking out fresh new experiences. <clears throat> um, be interested in people who have different opposing, you know, different points of view to you rather than just surround yourself with like-minded people. Uh, and for me, one of the reasons why it was easy to jump ship and do our, do our own thing was because I had that network from 20, 25 years of, of, of working. And I, I think anyone who's younger, I think, you know, to Chrissy's point, just invest in building up your network. The more people you know, the more, uh, yeah, and sometimes that can be a real pain in the ass, can't it? Because it's actually, it's much easier to stay in then go out and go to an event and go and talk to people you don't know. But actually, I think that you get so much from it. If you're going to the right events and um, uh, you, 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 you meet like-minded people, you get inspired and stimulated. And then if you back those up, uh, back those, those connections up, so you start to build that, that network, I think, while being lovely, I think is the key. The key. <laughs> This is, this is really important. So it's amazing how many people in business think it's all right to be a dick. And it's just not. It's just not. It will come and bite you at some point. So, you know, if you are going to be an entrepreneur, you're going to put yourself out there. Be lovely. Really big tip. That's great advice. Um, I want to talk about Talk It Out a bit now because, I mean, me and Martin are relatively familiar, obviously, having worked with you guys. But if you could just tell some of our listeners, obviously, I imagine quite a few of them probably never heard of Talk It Out. How, how, what is Talk It Out and how did that idea come about? So, uh, so to, to, well, the way it came about actually is probably the way into it. So uh, when I wrote my first book back in 2005, um, I came up with this creative technique because myself and Jim used to teach people to have ideas. So we're all about creativity. And, and this creative technique was a walking, talking one where you just walk and talk about whatever's on your mind. And it was, it was brilliant at getting people to tap into their subconscious and therefore give us better ideas and insights. But after training thousands of people in this technique, we just noticed that when we debriefed it, we said, look, how was that for you? There was a, a, a large proportion of people who just said, I just feel better. I just feel better. And obviously we were experimenting and obviously we're very keen to learn from our experiments. We went, hold on a second. So this is good for ideas and creativity, but this could be really good for well-being. So we just, we just you know, placed a bet um, as, as entrepreneurs should. And we got it researched by the University of Bristol and lo and behold, it reduces anxiety and ups happiness. And basically the way it works is very straightforward. Um, what you think is what you feel. Um, the problem is that 95% of your thinking is subconscious. And therefore, most of us have no idea why we're having a good day versus a bad. And what Talk It Out does, it just brings that subconscious thinking into the cold light of day so you can look at it. And you can understand what it is you're saying to yourself that creates the way you feel and therefore the way that you're showing up and the reality you live. Um, and, and in doing so, you get more choice, you get more freedom. And guess what? You get rid of all that rubbish talk in your head. So Talk It Out is, is, is the simple way of doing that and you know we used to teach we set up a charity and we taught it as an analog technique where we get people to go walk in pairs and do it but we soon realized that um, although it's a lovely ambition uh, there's 450 million people on this planet with a mental health challenge right now and you know what two-thirds of those people won't talk to another human being so we're not going to be able to make a dent in this planet's issue by doing it that way what we have found is that you are five times more likely to talk to a machine than a person 
So that's why we've developed Talk It Out as an app um, with the idea that if we could put it on everyone's phone, you know, a bit like going to the gym and eating well is great for looking after your body. They could just do this every now and again to look after their mind and their well-being. And if we can get that out into the planet and that can help a few people, we would be delighted. Cool. Um, so I think one of the things that struck me when, you know, obviously for people who know that obviously is new and we worked with you guys to um, put that app together was um, this kind of process is very kind of a bit different to what I suppose most people would figure that when they think about mental health, I suppose nowadays, at least especially recently, people are starting to be a bit more aware of things like CBT or um, talk therapy and all the things like that. Um, but I think one thing that struck me was the the low barrier to entry. And I think you talk, touched on it there, the fact that, you know, the millions of people who have mental health challenges, a lot of people won't actually seek help for those, um, which is crazy when you think people would seek, yeah. uh, if they had a broken arm, no one would question going to the hospital and get it fixed out. But people who have mental health issues would question going to therapy and um, actually seeking help for that. Um, and, the, you know, there's millions of reasons why that is what it is. But something about the, the low barrier entry, I thought was really interesting. So was that a conscious decision that you think once that this process, you found that it actually helped people with their, you know, um, how to understand how they feel? Was that a conscious decision like this could be something that could help people who can't, who maybe can't or won't access maybe more um, higher, higher barrier uh, problems for um, solutions to the mental health? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Look, so, so look, we, we've got huge issues uh, with the number mm -hmm. of people doing it. Part of that is stigma, you know, because people just don't want to say, I, I need help. And, and this is sad because every one of us needs help. Every one of us has a mental health challenge. I know there's stats that say it's one in five or it's one in 10. We've all got a challenge of some sort. Yeah. So, you know, we need to overcome that stigma and make it easier for people to get help. And, and, and the problem is that, um, you know, the NHS and all the, the amazing professionals out there that do this are overwhelmed. We don't, we were 22,000 mm. professionals short in the UK alone. Uh, you know, th that is a load of people who are not getting help. Then the other problem here is that when people go to get help, they've already got a bit broken. That's why they're going for help. So, so we, we designed Talk It Out to be very low barrier to entry because we want people to use it before they have a challenge, before it gets big. So actually they're looking after themselves, you know, rather than waiting for things to fall apart. Um, so, so we're hoping this will complement the wonderful therapeutic stuff that's out there in the world, take some of the pressure off those people to help the people that really need it and give everyone the choice to wake up every day with a bigger smile on their face, feeling as if they're in control of their well-being. Yeah, I mean, I, and I would say, I always think of it as mental well-being. It's a mental well-being tool. Because I think with mental health, there's sort of some, uh, there, there is stigma attached to that. I think if you can sort of rise it up a little bit and talk about mental well-being, then I think, you know, that language is much more accessible already. And as Chris says, it's not waiting until you're there going, oh my God, I need to search the internet for something that can help me with a, a real mental issue that I've got. This is something which is, you know, instead of going to the gym to work out and get my muscles buff for the summer, it's something to get my head clear and focused for coming out of the pandemic, for example, or helping me process some stuff that, you know, I haven't had a chance to process. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's trying to, to make it accessible to everybody because we've all got that. 
more so than ever right now, which hopefully will help with the launch of the um, the app. Absolutely. Um, so you guys obviously worked with, um, you've had this talk out process for a while before, obviously we've, you've thought that it makes sense to move into the kind of the tech space and the accessibility and um, the uh, even lower barrier to entry of obviously putting it on an app on a smartphone and encouraging people to see it as part of their daily well-being. Um, what was the trigger for that other than like you've said like okay people like more likely to talk to a machine but I think most people's understanding of mental well-being when it comes to tech are, you know you think of the big guys like Headspace and Calm have had a huge amount of investment and rise over the last probably couple of years but was there anything that you made you think like okay this th- there's a reason to go into the tech space um, other than like you said you've that research backing up that um, people are more likely to talk to a machine Um, well, you know, I mean, it all comes down to kind of levels of ambition, doesn't it, really? And, you know, we've tried it the analog way. And although everyone loved it, you know, we were training thousands of people and that's just not going to make a dent. So we, we always were aware of it. And I, I remember actually having having dinner with uh, Michael Acton Smith, um, the founder of Calm some years ago. He'd just written a book, hadn't started the app at this point, And we were talking about how tech could help well-being and actually be a massive supplement to therapeutic approaches. And we got, you know, amazing mm. ideas. I and mean, we were talking about VR and how you can, you know, wow. get over trauma using it, all this kind of stuff. And actually, I, I got very excited about it then. He has done amazingly with it. Um, I'm a bit slower. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, th- th- this buzz has been around for a while. I don't think we were at a stage where we were confident enough to do that, um, which is why it's taken us a little while to get here. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, we're, it's a big investment, right? You know, we've had to borrow the cash to make this happen, and it's a huge amount of money. Um, I, I know that you know tech costs money for a good reason, but you know, for a small business to do it, you know, we had to we had to really look at each other in the eye and go, "Are we really committed to making this world better?" Because if we are, we're going to have to we're going to really stump up some cash. We're going to have to get brave and take some risk, and and it took us a little while. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I'd also say. Uh the pandemic created yeah, the time in the space and, and then we had boss hmm. yeah that's true we didn't we, had, we, we didn't have the skill set or, or indeed the manpower because we, we've done <laughs> two before that two apps before that i think there was yeah. some this wasn't this hasn't been our first app but if you compared it to the first app we did yeah yeah it's true <laughs> and actually look, a really important thing here as an entrepreneur is to know where your strengths lie and where they don't and actually talent is everything right so we've got ross who is brilliant um, and, and, and Ross has got Rash, our CTO, who is brilliant. And actually, without them, there's no way we could do this. So you, you need to not only have the resources to invest, but you need the talent there who can, who can make this stuff happen. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very aware. I'm very good at having ideas. I'm very good at being the, the, the visionary and the risk taker and getting things happening. But, you know, that will not make it happen on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, this is why teams, teams work, individuals I think it's tough. You'll never be rounded enough to do it on your own. Yeah, so one thing I learned, a big mistake, well, let's say it's a big mistake. It's, it's still here, actually, but it's, it's surround yourself by experts. That's, you know, that's, yeah. that's the biggest thing. Yeah, definitely. For sure. And then, and then trust them. Yeah. Trust them to do amazing work. I mean, we, we were just giggling the other day. Um, so the, I, I just went onto a little link to look at the website to send something to a client. And the whole website for Upping Your Elvis was brand new, right? Different design, different copy. The whole thing is, is absolutely brilliant. I had never seen it. 
I've not been involved in the brief. I haven't done any of the copy. I haven't approved anything. It's just live. And, and there was a little bit of me going, ah, because as an entrepreneur, you like to have your fingers and everything. And once upon a time, I had to do everything, right? The accounts and everything. And actually, there's an amazing, an amazing feeling when you go, oh my God, I don't have to do it all. There are people much better than me in my business. I can now get on with what I'm good at. And I think a lot of the time, entrepreneurs hold on to too long, you know? And actually, they try and do too much themselves. And I've had numerous experiences, you know, when I got a good accountant, you know, when I got somebody that could, could, could you know, manage all our comms. Those times you suddenly elevate your whole business in such a way that you wonder why you didn't do it before. And, and actually, we are doing Talk It Out now because we've got great talent. You know, uh, Ross, Ross and Rash have changed <laughs> our lives. Hooray. The double R's. Fantastic. Um, um, I think just like a, um, a few things for me, like we talked about a little bit about the corporates earlier and you guys obviously having training with those guys what's the and we discussed a bit earlier about the different well i say the differences the challenges that people have working in corporates there's you know there's probably a lot of hidden people who are entrepreneurs or have that way of thinking who are the way corporates are set up is it doesn't really foster that kind of environment what's been the reaction when you've taken like talk it out to there is it has it been do you feel like it actually shows people a different way of like um, thinking about things and that could permeate into their work or how their organization structured de yeah de yeah definitely I mean we, you know we have tra trained tens of thousands of people in talk it out in big corporates and um, and by the way I, I'm not saying that talk it out is a massive revelation for everyone on the planet and and everyone's gonna love it and it's gonna change all their lives it's not that way it is an approach that we know works for a lot of people and it's the same in, in business right there's a lot of people who go do you know what that's so simple. It's so human. I don't need to plan. I don't need to prepare. I now get clarity. You know, that really helps me. And some people will do it every day for the rest of their lives. And some people go, no, nah, not for me. And that's great. You know, what we're doing is we're giving them a choice. We're giving them a choice. The, the important thing is that what we need to do is create the condition for them at least to give it a go. And what I love about, you know, the app is we're going to give more people that opportunity to give it a go. And the ones that do it, it will stick because they'll realize it is, you know, very important for them and their lives and how they show up and for those who you know walk away at least they give it a go yeah I, yeah I, and i'd say um what what people love about it is when they're in the in the big corporate it breaks a couple of sort of established norms in business and one is a really obvious one which is we seem to sit down when it's time to work and so, you know, I mean, even before lockdown, we were sat down on average for eight hours a day, be that the commute, our desk, meetings, sat on the sofa. And that's only gone up since, since lockdown, you know, and we're not designed to live like that. Our bodies work best when we move. And um, most people, if you say, we're gonna have a walking meeting, they think, oh my God, this person's a bit left field. You know, I'd much prefer to sit in meeting room 3B with everyone around with their, all their, tech on the table but the energy's wrong people's creativity is diminished and so one of the things that talk talk it out does is it gives you permission to go outside your home in lockdown or escape the confines of what is often a, a dull environment at work and and walk and then there's loads of research about the benefits of walking when it comes to your thinking and of course it recharges your batteries your environment's changing all the time and you're stimulated so fact, number one, and then number two, um, sort of 
the power of silence, if you like, and then that's weird when you talk about talk it out. What I mean by that is no one actually interrupting you. So what we tend to do is talk in short back sound bites. And then when we pause to think and we're in a group conversation, someone else feels obliged to fill that space. And so you never actually go very deep into your uh, what you really think about anything. And what talk it out does because of the way it's designed either when you're walking in a pair or when you're just doing it into the phone is that there's no one interrupting you so when you've got past your familiar narrative you've either got someone listening or you've got a device that's recording you and then after after you finish your familiar narrative you then pause but obviously you pause and think and what you're thinking is just at a slightly deeper level and because no one interrupts you then what you next say has more depth more insight uh, and often more value and uh, and people love that too and that's a revelation because all too often people feel as though they need to interrupt they need to repeat they need to add value they need to direct a conversation a different way and actually all they're doing is keeping things at quite a, a shallow level so the combination of breaking those two simple rules is is i think a big is the big part of talking about where you walk your energy changes and you talk uninterrupted. And so you really get to, more often than not, the nub of the challenge that you're talking out on. Cool. I mean, guys, I think we could talk to you all day, but I think we're probably almost out of time. I'm going to cut the kids later. So I <laughs> cool. Well, um, thanks for coming on, guys. It's been absolutely insightful as ever. And, you know, um, we're super excited about the launch of the app. We're really proud of the work that we've done with you guys. And it's been really fun. Um, Ross and Rash obviously aren't here, but yeah, it's been so good. Um, and I guess onwards and upwards for everything in the future. Yeah, well, look, it's been a delight talking to you. And look, thank you, because, you know, we, we couldn't be more passionate about getting this out to as many people on the planet who need it. And we can't do that without your expertise. So big up you for that. And let's see what happens. It could be a thing of legend. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Rob, for sorting this. No worries. No worries, guys. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.